Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Resilience is My Beauty with yours truly, Tawanta J. What's going on, family? How are you all doing? I hope everyone is doing amazing. Oh my goodness, how much I missed you all so much. Listen, take a deep breath in for me, why don't you? And breathe out slow. Let's do it again. Take another deep breath in. And breathe out slow. I needed that for myself. (laughs) Hey, 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 what's going on, family? How are you all doing? Oh, my gosh. I miss you all so, so much. I know, I know I've been MIA for a while, right? Well, get ready, get ready, get ready, because I got some things to share with you. So, first of all, let me just take it out and say say thank you to all of those who have uh, been, um, you know, supporting this podcast, uh, even, um, you know, even my ab- absence. Thank you for, you know, praying with me, praying for me, praying for my family, all those great things. I truly do appreciate that so, so very, very much. Um, you know, a lot has been going on on this end. And um, about a month ago, yeah, just, yeah, it's about a month now. Um, it started with the loss of my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law passed away uh, due to cardiac arrest. And um, he was... Um, he was um, in the hospital for a while. Um, he, you know, uh, had st- another stroke again. And the first time he, you know, um, um, had a cardiac arrest in his house. Um, and uh, the ambulance didn't come for like 20 minutes. And uh, so he was out without oxygen for 20 minutes until they came. And um, while they were transporting him to the hospital, he crashed again. And they resuscitated him. And they finally did get a pulse. But um, at that point, he was pretty much already uh, brain dead because there was no, no signs of life. You know, they try to stimulate, you know, his heart and or what have you. Um, his eyes were already set and everything. But they still had him on the machine. And um, that was during Mother's Day weekend. Um, that was a, a Thursday, if I remember correctly. Um, and so during that weekend of Mother's Day, he was uh, in the hospital. The hospital connected with my husband, of course, and my husband connected with the remaining of siblings, which is very, very slim at this point. And, um, you know, to be on the same page as far as what, you know, the, the, the conditions of my brother-in-law. Um... I believe after when we got when we got back uh, from my mother's day, 
um, excursion or whatever. <laughs> uh, my husband had surprised me with a little getaway or what have you, which was, it was nice. Um, so we try to enjoy ourselves in spite of, you know, his oldest brother. Well, older than him because my husband is the baby out of 10. But, um, you know, we try to enjoy ourselves. Uh, but when we came back home, of course, you know, we well, had to prepare for, you know, the inevitable. And that was where the doctors called to, you know, to let us know that um, that they'd done all they could, honestly. And that they had been on the up and up with us. They had been very honest and straightforward. I mean, some were, one particular person was very, very straightforward. And, you know, their bedside manners was not too comforting but at the same time you know (laughs) but at the end of the day we knew what was up and we fought for our brother-in-law the thing about it was we didn't give up on him even though the doctors may have decided to give up on him earlier uh, but we never gave up on him but we did come to the resolution that that you know he was already gone he was already gone so my uh, husband saw him and thankfully his longtime girlfriend was there with him by his side every step of the way every day and along with you know you know the grandkids and whatnot and um so we were able to see him via FaceTime um you know by one of the granddaughters and so my husband was able to see his brother and um you know and also the day of taking the machine off and um, I didn't see that part, unfortunately. I was uh, I had to take my daughter to work at that time. So by the time I came back, he was already officially gone. So, of course, we had to travel. Um, and um, so during that time, if I remember correctly, um, around that time prior to heading to uh, New Jersey... Uh, for my brother-in-law's funeral, I received, um, I think I got a call. If not, I think, actually, I found this uh, information on Facebook. My immediate family members, my cousin, my aunt, Betty, uh, children, they're they're adults now, but they had posted um, about Aunt Betty saying that they needed everyone to pray for her and all those things, you know, she's just getting out of the hospital, which was very shocking to me because I had recently spoke, spoke, spoken to her at least, well, I I actually, uh, I think two weeks prior at that time about Cornell, my brother-in-law. And, um, you know, we, uh, she, she knew Cornell, she loved Cornell and all those things. And I didn't even know my Aunt Betty was that bad off. I didn't know she was sick or anything. Because, you know, your phone, the phone could be a great, great cover-up. You know what I'm saying? When you talk to people on the other end of the line, their voice may sound like everything is okay. But behind that phone, honey, <laughs> it's a whole nother story. It's a whole nother story, right? But at that time, you know, I told her about uh, about the passing of Cornell and all those things of that nature. And I didn't talk to her again. And so um, when I dig a little deeper about my Betty, 
my cousin uh, called me and, and informed me that she talked to her and that, yeah, she she's back home now because she was in the hospital for a couple of days and whatnot. And, but, you know, she's sounding very weak, but she's fine, she said. She's just, you know, tired or whatever. And I was like, okay. Now, by that time, I believe I was already in Jersey. If I remember correctly, I was already traveled, traveling and I was already at the hotel in Jersey. And I had connected with my cousin then and she had informed me about that, about my aunt. And then that time I was thinking about I should call my auntie and just uh, talk to her just to see how she sound and all those things. But then I said, you know what? It's already going on. It's already going on 10 o'clock that evening. I remember that night. And I said, plus my cousins are there with her. And I didn't know at the time that my aunt, my other aunt that lives down south um, and lives near her was with her there at the time. So, you know, I said, I'll wait till I get home because Aunt Betty knew what was going on with me on this end and everything like that. So, of course, um, the next day, if not yeah, the next day after that, you know, was the day of my, uh, my brother-in-law's funeral. And so... My cousin came to uh, to see the viewing of my brother-in-law, and then she informed me again um, that my aunt was back in the hospital. And I said, oh, no, really? I said, I'm Betty? I said, oh, my God. I said, okay. And so she said, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I, you know, I just found out about it and just that, whatever. I said, oh, my God. I said, okay. And so I went on to text my cousin's um, to ask them, you know, you know, what's going on and everything or what have you, how's Aunt Betty doing, all of that stuff. And then when I went on Facebook, immediately on my news feed, I, uh, found the information from my cousin, my aunt, one of Aunt Betty's daughters, and she posted that my mother had passed. I, I literally got out the church and ran. I just could not believe it because you got to understand my aunt Betty was like my mother, my second mother. My mother and her were very close and they, you know, they were behind each other. My aunt Betty was the oldest out of the four sisters, you know, and then was my mom and I believe my aunt Evie that lives in New York and my aunt Jeanette that currently currently lives in uh, South Carolina. So when my mother died, you know, 20 years ago, um, my Aunt Betty, and I always connected with Aunt Betty before, of course, you know, she was just a sweet person to just, you know, you just loved her spirit. You just loved her sweetness, her kindness, and you love her cooking. (laughs) That woman knows she can cook. Okay, my word. (laughs) And so every time the family would go down south, unfortunately, due to a sibling passing, my mother was also, um, you know, uh, I was one out of the 10 as well. We always migrate over to her house. And that's where we go ahead and fellowship. And Aunt Betty will have food for us and whatnot. And we will always go to her house, <laughs> you know. Um, but when my mother passed, you know, she was the one who I drawn to closer. You know, I, I was the one. She was the one that I connected to. She's the one that I just this bawled out because I didn't get a chance to grieve during the time that we buried my mother. We buried mommy uh, on my one year wedding anniversary 
And, um, you know, so family did show up and close friends and whatnot showed up and everything. And I was a brand new mom at the time. I just given birth to my oldest daughter, who's now um, 19, going on 20. And uh, she was uh, over two months old at that time. And, um, <clears throat> you know, everything was just happening so, so quickly. Um, but when we relocated, my husband and I, we left Jersey after that, shortly after. And we moved to North Carolina. And I was staying in corporate housing at that time. And my husband was immediately drifted off to the Netherlands, um, you know, at the job that he was working. And it was just me and my baby at the time. And I had I wanted to talk to Mama. And I realized at that moment I could not call my mom because she was no longer here. And I just called my auntie, and I tell you, man, I just bawled. I just bawled. I cried for like a good 20 minutes nonstop. And she allowed me to just let it all go because she personally understood because she too lost her mother, my grandmother, my mother's mother, you know. So she understood the loss. She understood the you know, the relationship of a dear, beautiful, sweet mother. So she understood all the pain, the tears, the anger, the confusion, the hurt, all of that. I didn't have the words, but she understood my tears was words enough. So she was with me every step of the way. And that, and from that point on, from that time on, I just gelled with her. I connected with her. We talked, we laughed, we prayed all the time. So yeah, she and I communicated all these years. So I was in shock that day. 30 minutes before we actually had officially started the funeral service for my brother-in-law, I found out that my dearest aunt passed away. So of course, you know, trying to connect with immediate family members and to get the information or whatever, which I really didn't get the full detail of what happened and how it happened until, you know, I traveled back home. Now, once we had uh, buried my brother-in-law, we did leave two days after that. Got home, got home here in Michigan, and two days after that, once I rested and I traveled back again to uh, Georgetown, South Carolina, um, that's where uh, my aunt. Uh, both my aunts lived. Uh, my, my aunt right now, Jeanette Koenig, lives. Um, and so got there, stayed with her, um, and, you know, family started to come. There's a few family members that lives there, of course, um, but they scattered out a little bit, but they all right there in South Carolina region. And the rest of, like, my immediate cousins, my Aunt Betty's children, um live out of state uh so they pretty much were already here two of them live out of state the other two lives um one in north carolina if i'm not mistaken and one is in currently in south carolina but in a different county um so we finally connected with each other and i haven't seen my cousin's uh, my Aunt Betty's kids in years, a long time. And it was just great to see them. It was great to fellowship with them. We've always been close anyway since we were kids. So it was just a blessing to see each other face to face and to talk with each other, cry with each other, all that good stuff. Um, now, 
before, let me let me go back a little bit because I did miss this part. Uh, forgot telling you this part. Now, during the time that my husband and I were in Jersey to bury my brother-in-law, uh, my husband's sister uh, was, uh, she has been going through a lot herself for a long, long time. And um, so um, she... She's been depressed for a long, long time. And she has been going through a lot of physical issues um, as well. And so we were blessed to find out that she wanted to go to the hospital. And, you know, and my niece-in-law, who has been like the caregiver, if you will, um, you know, brought her to the hospital um, and whatnot. Actually, I th- yeah, had taken her to the hospital. And... Um, and my my beloved sister-in-law has a son who's also disabled as well. Um, so we were fortunate to hear the good news that, you know, she was going to the hospital for non-emergency reasons. But, you know, you know, it, it, we just knew that, okay, great. Now she can get the, you know, the appropriate help and that, you know, you know, she can you know, finally start living again. Um, you know, now we can get to the bottom of the issues that she's been dealing with or what have you. And, you know, to just start getting her proper care. And so, you know, we pr- proceed forward to doing what we had planned that day after the funeral and that we, you know, hosted like a gathering in our suite with, you know, with the family and stuff. My husband had a cater. Uh, um, you know, a dear friend of the family or whatever to come and cater. Um, and we all had a good time and all that good stuff. And my husband received a call. My husband received a call. And my husband didn't recognize the number at first. And, but, you know, so he was about to ignore it. But he did pick up the phone. And it was the hospital that my sister was in. And they had mentioned to him that she went into cardiac arrest. And my husband was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> and that the she went on to say that when my sister-in-law was at the hospital, she mentioned to the nurse and to the doctors that if she did go under, that if she had a stroke or whatever, that, you know, to do not resuscitate her. Now, mind you, as I said before, my sister-in-law has been deeply depressed. She's been going through a lot at that time, during the time of her life, of course. And, of course, the conversation that my husband had with her prior to all of this, that she requested him to be power of returning over her. And, you know, of course, he took it. You know, he accepted it, of course, and whatnot. So, being as though that she was, un, um, you know, um, dead for that 10 minutes... They contacted him. They found out who was the next of kin, if you will, and they contacted him. And that's how, you know, that's how we found out about about her situation. And, of course, my husband was like, well, here, here's the deal. My sister is not talking right out of her mind. She's been deeply depressed and so forth and so on. Do what you have to do to get her back. And they did. They did. They called back and they said she did went out again, but they did get a pulse. And now they have her on the ventilator. And so 
you know, that same day that where we were, where we had already buried my husband's brother and we were celebrating family. Then we get this, and then I find out my aunt passed the day of my my brother-in-law's funeral. This is all happening (laughs) within this short time. Um, You know, the doctors continue to contact my husband and giving us the the story of our, you know, of my sister-in-law's health. And we found out some, you know, very disturbing things. (laughs) And it really blew us away. Nobody knew. Now, the thing about it is, is that, of course, my husband and I, we live in Michigan. And my sister-in-law and my my other sister-in-law and, you know, the niece, my nieces, what have you, they live in Pennsylvania. So, you know, the family, that little nucleus there of what's left of the family is right there. And, you know, my sister-in-law, being as though that she was going through depression, she really did not allow anyone in the house with the exception of my niece-in-law, who was like their caregiver. She did not put herself in that position. She pretty much just, it just happened to be that way. So even though they wanted to come by to check up on her, my sister-in-law just really rejected them not to show up or whatever the case may be. She'd been giving people different little information about how she was doing and what, you know, was going on with her health or whatever. So we all have been, you know, uh, been told different things. Some similar stories, most are totally out of pocket. But we find out, you know, through the doctors what was really going on with her body, with her health and all of these things. And when we found out these things, it was very devastating. So at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, we all pretty much shocked and hurt and just like, just cannot be happening right now. You know, we buried one brother. My husband buried a brother. I eventually buried my aunt. And then we found out this past Sunday, my sister-in-law passed away. So we already knew, uh, in a sense, because the doctors has been very, very cordial, very upfront they have been very committed and consistent in connecting with my husband and giving him the truth and nothing but telling us exactly the conditions of, you know, my sister-in-law. And um, we knew, and, and we even had a, 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 a FaceTime conference meeting with all those doctors and nurses that have been taking care of her. And they basically just laid it out and told us that, honestly, there is no coming back for her. And especially with the additional um, health issues that pretty much dominated her body and pretty much could have caused the cardiac arrest. It could have caused the brain to not function um, anymore. That there was just really no hope, you know, um, and so, you know, they still continue to take good care of her. They said, all we can do is now just make her comfortable. And that's pretty much all they have done. But, you know, 
they knew that the time was going to be very, very soon for her. And so that Sunday, they called my husband and they did talk to him to let him know that she did, um, you know, she did uh, crash, you know, had cardiac arrest again, her heart stopped. And they got her back. They was doing um, compressions, I think, if that's the word, (laughs) uh, like for 20 minutes. And um, her heart did come back, but it was very, very faint. Now, at that time, the nurse called my husband, and they were still working on her. And, you know, he said, as soon, you know, I'll call you back to give you an update. Well, when he hung up the phone, that was like five minutes later, he called back, and she was gone. So the thing is, you know, my husband and I, we were prepared for it. I mean, honestly, she was, I'll be honest, she was already gone to be truthful and honest about it. But at the end of the day, you know, we still believing and hoping that, you know, things could turn around, you know, in spite of the conditions, in spite of where, how her body was, things could happen, you know, but um, she was already she had already transitioned. And like my husband said, he said, you know, you prepare yourself for the unthinkable. You prepare yourself for the call. But when that call does come, when you see the number that you memorize from day one, you're not prepared. <laughs> when you hear the voice of that doctor or that nurse and you hear the tone, you're not prepared. He said, it's, it's just it's just something about it. You prepare yourself all those days prior after having these meetings and conference meetings with them. And you already know the outcome. But when that day comes, it's totally different. And so now, right now, today, we are en route, getting ready uh, to head back to New Jersey again for my sister-in-law's funeral. And so I wanted to share this with you because you know your family. I'm not sharing this just to, you know, just to vent or anything. This is a testimony. This is a testimony. I haven't really grieved, grieved. I've grieved when I came back from my aunt's funeral. But I haven't grieved because, you know, God has me on assignment as a minister. And right now, you know, I see where he has directed me at this point in my life, you know, going through this transition. And where is that instead of me focusing on my grief, that I need to be focusing on the grief of others to be a support network to them, to be um, you know, to be an encouragement to them, you know, to be the shoulder to cry on, to pray with them and all, you know, to comfort them as best as I could, as a minister should, right? And so that's pretty much what my role has been from day one. And like I said, I haven't grieved accordingly until I came home from my aunt's funeral. And that's when I let it out. That's when I had my time with God and just let it out. And just thank him anyway 
Because in spite of all the downs and the struggles and the losses that you are going through, we still ought to praise God anyway. And I know that's kind of crazy to say that for some people who really don't have a strong relationship with God. But in his word, we are supposed to praise him in all circumstances. We are to open up our mouth and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. We are to what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Now, of course, you may not be physically able to dance around and shout and all of that, but you still have a mouth. You still have a tongue. You still have a voice. And even though you are not 100% strong <laughs> or 100%, you know, emotionally um, on top of top of things or what have you, you can still say, yet God, I give you praise for this day. Thank you, God, for waking me up this morning on this day. You know, that that's a prayer right there. That's a prayer right there. And so that's something that I truly am not taking for granted anymore. I'm learning to really thank God for my life. I'm thanking him in spite of all what is going on in my life. Because y'all, woo-wee. When they say, you know, y'all remember back in the day, though, the elders just say, you know, it comes in threes when it comes to those when people you lose. Lord have mercy. It came back to back to back, less than a few days apart from each other, to be truthful and honest about it. My brother-in-law, then next thing, the next few days, my aunt, and then the next day over was my sister-in-law, you know, because she was already, you know, uh, brain dead 10 minutes after the fact, you know, on that first day. And she really, she never came back, to be honest. I mean, they resuscitated her again. She had to to do it twice, pretty much similar to what they did with my brother-in-law. But my brother-in-law was 20 minutes without, without breath. 20 minutes. So this whole entire journey has been something, of course, unimaginable, something that no one dare wants to think about or dare talk about for that matter. But God has been my help. He has been my strength. He has been my carrier. Mm. Because he's been carrying me. He's been carrying my heart. He's been carrying my emotions. He's been carrying everything of me and my family and my husband. He's been our carrier. He has been the one that has, you know, given us the strength to keep on living while we're dealing with the losses of our immediate family members. And so right now, my husband, he lost not one, but two siblings in a matter of weeks apart. Wow. And now it's just down to two siblings, him and his other sister. Now, when my, when my brother-in-law was in the hospital, my sister-in-law that passed away was on the conference call with my husband and with their other sister because my husband wanted to just 
have a you know want everyone on the phone talking with the doctors and all those things and they pretty much put all the weight on my husband to make the decisions and whatever my husband decided to do they pretty much you know agreed to it or you know honored it and all those things or what have you you know and then to and like I said we were aware of my sister's uh, sister-in-law's condition in, to some degree, I would say. We didn't know everything, but we just knew based on what was told to us and based on what she wanted to share with us or with my husband. So I told my husband way before all of this took place that he needed to come go to her and to help her. You know, and he was in the process of or basically getting ready to do that. But then, of course, you know, the passing of his brother uh, changed everything. And so I wanted to come on here, guys, not to lay this burden down on you or or to uh, actually, you know, uh, make it a sad episode or what have you. Um, but I just wanted to come on here and share with you the importance of, you know, getting your house in order. Now, with my auntie, I'm getting back to her. My aunt was a woman of God, a faithful woman. She loved the Lord. She was just a sweet, loving, caring, devoted woman. She loved her family. She loved her children. She loved, she loved God the most, of course. And as I was, you know, while I was there, I was learning more and more and more about my auntie and about the situation and everything. And, um, you know, she did not want to to go, um, or I I would say she didn't want to stay in the hospital any longer than she already was at that first time um, because she had an assignment to do. And, you know, and that was because the church had called her to uh, to pray. I think it was an event or some sort or whatever. And she was committed to that. And um, plus also, you know, my other aunt that lives down down south as well was also taking care of her along with one of her sons. And so she had already informed them that she was slipping away. She had already informed them even longer, a long time ago, that she was going to soon leave here. And, you know, when we hear stuff like that from our loved ones, you know, we just like, oh, you know, we like, man, please stop talking that talk. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing gonna happen to you. You know, you're gonna live for a long, healthy age. You know, you know how that is, right? But we, you know, sometimes we just, you know, ignore it because we really don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? But if they've been saying it more than one time, you need to take heed to that. And it may not, it doesn't mean they're going to leave like right now, right now, but they are in preparation to leave very soon. And so my Aunt Betty, bless her soul, she was getting her house in order a long time ago. She was already putting things in motion. She was already planning her funeral even before the time came. She already knew how she was going to go because she had already had that conversation with God by herself in her house. Okay. She already had told the Lord, Lord, this is how I want to leave here. Okay. And God honored that. 
because she did not die in the hospital. She died in her home, in her chair, with my auntie and with my cousin watching her passing away. She had already set this, she already set the plan. She had already informed her children, her oldest son, about what she wanted done for the funeral and everything. Even after she left, even after she passed on, her spirit came into my, to my cousin. My cousin told me this. While he was driving, while he was en route, and he lives out of state, and she has been connecting with him. Okay, so my auntie had already knew she already knew she was leaving here and she was not anxious. She was not like rushing. You know how people when they find out they're going to leave, you know what I'm saying? They rush and try to do things at the last minute or like, you know, no, my auntie knew because she 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 knew that she wanted to leave this way. Right. This was her prayer. She did not want to die in the hospital. She didn't want to be alone or anything. She wanted to be with her family. And that's what she said. She said, I want to be home with my family. And that's exactly what happened. Even when her body was breaking down, even when her health was already deteriorating, not just for that short time, she was already deteriorating years prior. And the thing about it is, I always asked her how she was feeling. But my auntie... You know, she's like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing well. Taking one day at a time. (laughs) You know, my sinuses is acting up, you know, but, you know, but God is still good. You know, (laughs) that was always her conversation with me. And even those that she communicated with over the phone, she would say the same exact thing because she really didn't want anybody to worry about her. She didn't want anybody to worry about her. But, you know, she was at the age where, you know, we needed to be concerned about her, her her well-being, because she was not moving around as much as she should have. And thank God for her children, because they have been attentive. They've been there. They have been telling her, Mama, you need to get it together. Mama, you come on, we're going to help you now. Because they had planned. Here's the thing. They had planned to get her physical therapy. They had already pre-planned some things, you know, doctor's appointments and all of that. They did not expect her to pass away like she did. But she had already made that known to them. But yet, you know, of course, they didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to receive that. But I just took that took that whole thing right there. And I, I, I just took that in and said about getting your house in order. Because especially going through one death after the next, after the next, you know, like right now we are in preparation to leave tomorrow to go down to, uh, to Pennsylvania where my sister-in-law, uh, lived for, uh, for some time and take care of some things there. And then we're going to drive from there to New Jersey for the funeral. So there are some business, some business things that my husband needs to take care of and all that stuff and whatnot. And so we're going to take the drive again uh, down, down to that location. And so all of these um, depths that we have endured, that we have experienced, it really has gotten me to really seriously think about getting my house in order. We all need to get our house in order. 
this is something we did not plan in terms of people passing away. We, we didn't plan that. We don't want nobody to die. But, you know, that is just not happening. You know, that is beyond our control. You know, we know we have family members that are, are not doing so well. We thank God they're still here. They're still living, but they're not doing so well. And we cannot continue to ignore the health of those individuals. We need to really stand up and man up or woman up and really take care of them, to really be there for them, to really listen to them. You know, not run away from the from the unthinkable, not run away or shut the door from, you know, of hearing what what you dread to to experience. No, we need to take it all in. We need to be that strong soldier. God will strengthen you through that process. He will help you through it. Right. But we need to be there. We need to get our home in order. We need to get our life in order. We need to get our family in order because y'all tomorrow is not promised to anyone we cannot continue to ignore the signs anymore we cannot continue to just say well we just see what the end is going to be we gonna we just see what cousin going to do what brother is going to do or what sister going to do no this is a family affair this is a family affair you know my husband Unfortunately, he had to be the one to pay for my for his brother's funeral. And yes, their siblings at the time, and not even just the two sisters at that time, but there were nieces and, and there are relatives outside of that pocket that too could have contributed. Now, I can't say if anybody did not contribute a dollar or 50 cents, but at the end of the day, I could tell you looking at our bank account, mm-mm. I don't think nobody did. (laughs) But my husband was not going to let his brother have a sloppy funeral or have him die any kind of way, you know, be laid any kind of way. That's just not my husband's style. And the same thing applies with his sister-in-law as well. But this time, we can't do it anymore. (laughs) This time, we cannot afford to do it anymore. Everybody has to participate. Everybody has to contribute. Everybody has to support. Everybody has to put something in or some things in to make this process easy, to make it pleasing for everybody, even in an uncomfortable situation. But it can be done. It could be done right. And everybody can be at peace with that. And so I want to be able to talk more in depth about how we, as a community, as a black community, we need to get our house in order. We need to really stop being blind about this and and totally be ignorant of it. We need to really sincerely start looking at life insurance and, you know, start getting policies and all these things set up for you, your spouse, your children, because I'm telling you, when the unthinkable happens, that's when the realness really starts to showcase. That's when things really start to be revealed. Nobody has the money to pay for a funeral. 
No one has the, the means to afford to do that. I'm just learning myself about the whole process of funeral, how how they do this thing, man. And I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm 52 years old and I'm totally, and I keep it real, I'm ignorant when it comes to the, 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 the cost. I know it's expensive now. I'm not that blind about it. I know funeral costs is expensive, but every little thing that they do to make your loved one look presentable, it's a cost. And especially if they're not living in the same state you are, but yet you want them to be transferred to the home state they were born or raised or whatever, that's a cost. Listen, y'all, I'm pretty sure you have seen it many, many times in your family where family members passed away and everybody's running around rampant trying to pull money from all different directions so that loved one can have a decent funeral, a decent burial. And everybody's fussing and cussing and arguing and at each other because this is a heavy weight. This is a heavy loss. And, you know, all our emotions are raw and all these things. But as soon as we start mentioning money, everybody's scattered like roaches. Everybody has something, you know, to say, well, I don't know. And da, da, da. We cannot afford to do that. We cannot afford to do that. And then that person will be the one left to take care of all of the weight. That's not fair. That's not fair to them. That's not fair to anybody. Whether you have the financial means or not, that's not fair. Everybody needs to pull in their weight. This is your sibling. This is your 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 aunt or your uncle. This is your your you know your dearest friend. This is your mom or your dad. My gosh. So I have seen a lot doing these past few weeks of how family come together, but yet they still separated from each other. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not like dissing out all other, uh, uh, you know, nationalities of the races. No, because I know everybody has you know, family members like that. I, I'm pretty sure. But it just seems like in our culture, we can never get it right. <laughs> in our culture, we always scratching to find some change. And honestly, y'all, we cannot continue to do the blame game. We can't play that game no more. Because if you, listen, you have to really start getting things in order. It is time to start talking about it. And I know it's a very uncomfortable conversation. Trust me, I know. I, even I'm guilty. You know, I walk away from like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because when you hear someone want to talk about, you know, um, uh, life uh, insurance or or talk about funeral and all this stuff like that or whatever, immediately your mind starts to think about, okay, they're dying now. They're, gonna, they're, they're about to leave, you know, or like, you know, why are you saying that? Because it's like when you're saying, like you jinxing, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, okay, well, I want to talk about my death. Like, excuse you? Well, I want to sit down and talk about my passing when I do pass. And people are like, what are you talking about? Not saying they're going to pass tomorrow, pray God not. But it's going to come in due time. When? Don't know when. But the thing is, we need to prepare. We need to prepare. So God forbid 
when that loved one does leave here, you won't be struggling. You and your family members won't be struggling trying to pay the bills, trying to pay this funeral. Because here's the thing, too. I've learned a lot about, like I said, I learned so much. You know, the, the, the funeral, the, the, they're not going to bury your loved one. They're not going to put them in the grave until a signature is on that paper. Until, you know, the doctors do their part. If they person died in the hospital, they got to, they have to sign the death certificate. And then the funeral director, they got to get all that information from them. They got to make sure that it's signed. What, And even at the cemetery, they're not going to put the body in until that bill is paid or the the the, the 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 signature is on that paper on that document, they ain't gonna do nothing. That money has to be be given to them the day before or days before, you know, like the day you know what I'm saying, or the day of or whatever. Other than that, it's going somewhere. The body's gonna go back into the morgue or whatever, okay, until they pay for it, until it's paid for. You don't want to put yourself in that kind of situation. You don't want your family to be in that kind of situation. So I want to be able to talk more in depth about how we need to really take this thing more seriously. I mean, look at this past year, guys, with the COVID. 2020 was a, was a, a year we would never, ever, ever forget because half of a million people died due to COVID. And I guarantee you, half of them people, the majority of the people who have died, they didn't have no coverage. They didn't have no coverage. The family that lost their loved ones, they were not prepared. They were not prepared. They were not ready. Now, there may be a few of them that might have already had that stuff laid out a long time ago. But the majority of everybody else, mm-mm. Because I guarantee you, you probably could Google it to find out how many were cremated. And I realized, too, with cremation, we think that that's the cheapest thing, the cheapest route. In a sense, it is, but it is not because if you don't have the funds, it's expensive. I didn't realize cremation was like $5,000 or $3,000, depending on where you get, depending on where you are, depending on that that that, uh, that location where you are. It, it varies, but it ain't cheap. Long, long, long time ago, oh, it was very affordable, but now... Oh my God, this, this, it, it just makes you wake up. Now for me, as I said before earlier, God is transitioning me into ministry. And so I'm taking this journey and I'm taking this, 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 uh, position, uh, as a minister, you know, to, uh, be for those who are mourning and those who are grieving and all those things. But I'm also taking this in um, in terms of, um, how can I say, in a professional manner, you know, just in the learning more uh, about the whole process of a funeral. Because the days that that season of my life will come when, you know, once I'm officially ordained, that I will be called to either eulogize the service or to just be available for that family or what have you. So these are things I need to know anyway, you know? And so I, you know, I'm taking this seriously for me, for me personally, 
and for me professionally, right? And so I want to continue on with this conversation with you guys. I want to be able to really put this in your spirit for you guys to really start to think about your future, to start thinking about your family. Because, you know, people are leaving here. And a lot of those who are leaving here do not have any type of coverage. And I know you don't want to, you know, put your family in that type of financial burden where there is nothing that they can use to pay for the funeral cost, you know, church cost, you know, all of that, (laughs) right? So I want to be able to do like a series or what have you. And um, I will definitely keep you guys informed um, in regards to how I'm going to do it. I I haven't decided how I'm going to you know, what I'm going to call it or what have you at this point. I may just keep it like this and get your house in order series or something like that for now and just move on to there. Those of you who are listening, if you have some ideas, please share that with me. Put that down, you know, um, you know, on the comments um, based on where you're listening me, listening to me, uh, whether it is CastBox, whether it's um, um, you know, um, iTunes or what have you, or even just message me, you know, on Facebook. If you have a title or topic or whatever, um, in regards to this, what I just shared with you, let me know, please. And I'll be happy to take it in and, you know, and bring it into discussion because we all are going, we are going through this, or if not, we will be going through it and we cannot continue to waste another day acting like, you know, you're invincible or that, you know, you're not going to die for a long, long time and pray that won't be the case, but still you need to do your thing. You need to take care of your home. You need to take care of your responsibilities, you know, just like my Aunt Betty did. She took care of her responsibilities during that short time that she was here on this earth, right? And I, and I'm taking that very seriously. And I don't want to talk about this stuff, but I know I have to talk about it. And my husband got to talk about it. And we got to share with our kids too. And it's uncomfortable. I get it. But it needs to be done. It needs to be done, guys. I know God willing, because God said, whatever you ask in his name, he will honor that. And I'm standing on that word, because I've asked God, Lord, I want to live like my Aunt Weeza, who was 104, 105, if I'm not mistaken. And I want to live like her, long and and healthy, vibrant, all of those things. I, I, I came across a picture of her that my Aunt Betty, and she had tons of pictures, man. But she had a picture of my Aunt Weeza. She was in the newspaper back down, at, at down south in Georgetown, South Carolina, celebrating her milestone age of 104 at that time. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So that's my desire to live that, that age. And God will grant that for you. He will honor that. If that's what you desire, you know, then so be. I truly believe that. But that still doesn't mean that I, you know, I neglect my responsibilities of taking care of what I need to take care of, you know, because I want to do the right thing. Right. So, yeah, we want to talk about this more. Um, Again, guys, I, I want to apologize. I did not want to come on here as a Debbie Downer or what have you, but I did want to share with you certain 
things about why I have not been on for the past month or so. And now you know why. Keep us in your prayers, guys. Keep us in your prayers as we are in the process of heading out tomorrow um, to, uh, you know, bury my sister-in-law. Um, and um, pray for each other. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for those family members that you know that are physically not doing well right now. You know, we can talk to them on the phone all day long, but now it's time to take it a a step further and to literally go see them if you are able to do that, you know, and be a a blessing to them some way, somehow. God has blessed you more than enough. That, That extra that you got around, go ahead and give that to them because really we don't know what people are going through. My auntie was not physically able to take care of herself because of the conditions that she, that her body was going through. You know, she was not able to feed herself. She was not able to cook food for herself or anything like that. So yes, go to your family, go to your loved ones and see what they need because they could tell you all day long that they are doing fine on the phone. But when you really go directly to the house to see what's up, you know what's really going on. So be a blessing to your family and your loved ones and, 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 and be of service to them. So guys, take care of yourself. Love each other. Pray for each other. And do not take this day for granted. And I will be back very, very soon. Father God, thank you for this prayer. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for my family. Thank you for, um, for this time right now. I pray that what I have brought to uh, my podcast family's attention, that they would truly would take at heed uh, to really start planning and prepping, really start taking care of their responsibilities, uh, make uh, to assure that that, you know, their family will be okay financially when their time comes. Help us, O Lord, to not be afraid of death. We don't need to be afraid of it anymore, but get us prepared. Um, help us to, uh, to do the right things um, for our family so they won't struggle. They won't have to figure out how we're going to pay, how we're going to bury our families and loved ones. Help us, O oh Lord, to just grow up. Help us, O oh God, to not continue to run away from the truth, to run away from the, un- the inevitable. Help us, O oh God, to just do what you have given us the ability to do. Help us, God, to just be attentive to the needs of our family. Help us, O oh Lord, not to continue to argue anymore, but to love them more, to speak life to them when they are down, to encourage them when they feel like there is nothing left in this world to live for. Help us, O oh God, to get ourselves out of our own issues, but to be of service to those that are going through. Teach us, O oh Lord, to love ye one another, not to just say it, not to, not to say it to be cute, but to mean it and to activate on that love, just like you activate on your love towards us, even when we don't deserve it. Help us, O oh Lord, to do better and to be better. Help us to appreciate this life that you gifted us with. In Jesus' name we pray.